Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. Today I am joined by Pam Roy. Pam is a writer, filmmaker, investor, and philanthropist with a mission to provide community-based support for youth and families. Pam and I have shared a passion for parenting and educational transformation. During our conversation, Pam shares content from her new book, Parenting from the Passenger Seat which, by the way, is a must-read for anyone who parents, mentors, or works with teens. We also talk about the value of social connections and how to help our kids find meaning. If your teen or young adult is struggling to find their path, this conversation will give you some insights and ideas to help get them back on track. Now let's get started. Hi, Pam. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Betsy, I am so excited to be here with you. As you know, I've been a fan and a follower for a very long time, and you and I have corresponded about some of these different issues that we're both seeing. So I am thrilled to be here with you. Well, the feeling is mutual. Um, I, as you know, I've been following you and fangirling over you, and your latest book is just I said it before, fantastic. Like, I can't even find the words. It's resonating so much with me. And I'm so thrilled that you're here today so we can talk about it and share it with my my audience. But before we get started, how about a quick introduction about who you are and what you do? This is always hard because I'm 64 and I've had two lifetimes, really. So I didn't get married till later. I I was married at 35, didn't have my kids till close to 40. So the first part of my life who I was, was the one who followed the trajectory of being super successful. You know, I was a partner by 27. I had a car, I had a condo by 30. And then my body stopped me and said, this is not who you are, this mechanistic little machine. And because I always wanted to be a mom. And then the second part of my life, which uh, was when I had my three daughters who are now 22, 24 and 26. And that's when I say my life really began, because that's when I learned about myself and thinking it was my job to shape them, but it was really their job to teach me. And that's exactly what, what happened. So um, through that, over the past seven years, I've had various experiences. So um, really had a wake-up call because there was a 40-year gap between my education and my life and my children's lives. And I think that that gap, not that my time of being raised in the, you know, 60s and 70s was really a model we necessarily want to repeat. There were some parts, school was not the center of my life. Um, I had a lot of uh, time for exploration and relationships and working and going out and volunteering and doing all those things that my children were being restricted from spending the time out there and on a more academic trajectory. So for me, I had this um, experience in the business world, uh, quite extensive. I had this experience with starting to raise my children in a system that was demanding a lot from them that I myself had checked the boxes and realized was not a fulfilling life. Um, it's a part of life, absolutely, but work is not life. Um, work is a part of life, and we've made it the center preparing our children. So 
So then when my oldest daughter was going off to college and my younger two were in high school preparing for college, I ended up going to uh, get a master's in school counseling. I was very concerned with the um, mental health crisis I was seeing in so many young people. And I wanted to figure out what I could do. Same for me. Like when I, when I, when my kids actually started to become teenagers was when I got the brick over the head that I was like, yes, yeah, something's got to change. This is so broken. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm so glad that you wrote this book because, well, let's talk about the book. So um, the title is Parenting from the Passenger Seat, How Our Children Develop Capabilities, Connections, and Meaningful Lives. And there's so much wisdom in here and clearly the re research and insight um, and you talk about that, about what parents can do. And I love that you take that approach that it's not just like stating the problem, but you're actually addressing it and how people can kind of, I don't want to say fight back, but how they can say not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, let's draw a line here and say, how are we going to change it? Let's talk about the book. You say that parenting from the passenger seat is a metaphor for the role in our children's lives. And funny enough, I've actually used that metaphor on this podcast before. So I was, again, one more thing that we have in common. But can you talk about that, like how that all kind of resonated with you? And Yes, yes. It was interesting because um, I was trying to find a title for this book. And the way the book is organized and, and is that it has three parts to it. The first part, which we're going to be talking about and we are talking about, is really where we are. Mm -hmm. What is? Mm -hmm. Kind of, let, let's start there. The second part is what we can do, not only as parents, but um, my initiatives, I've partnered with a public school education organization that has transformed many, many lives. Um, and then through that, I have created another initiative called Be Unbound, co-founded that with Elliot Washer um, of Big Picture Learning. And so I have, you know, what we can do. And then the last part is where we can go, where I give examples of different things we can do, the why of, you know, why it's so important. But really, the only way we go is together. I mm -hmm. think that you know and I know that even as parents who could see things because of our real-world experience, the culture is so strong. And we've created these silos, um, social silos that become our social silos as well as we meet other parents on sports teams or in different schools and, you know, class mom things and things like that um, as we, we've um, done what we could to help our community and the schools and all of that. I mean, we all were raised that way. It was just something we, we evolved to. So these silos, uh, I began thinking the way it's structured is instead of community, our kids um, are constantly disconnected from their communities throughout their lives. Every time they change a grade, every time they change a school, every time they change a sports team, every time they graduate from college, every time they start a job and change jobs, which is what they do a lot. I mean, one of the main points of my book is that as a community, our responsibility to create these environments that allow kids to search for who they are and how they can fit in the world. But instead of doing that, we have channeled them to a single trajectory uh, towards college that this piece of paper is going to 
give them a life that is um, healthy, wealthy, and wise, which of course mm -hmm. it is not. In fact, it's created a debtor nation and a dependent. Um, because really, when you think about it, from the times our children are young, they are told not to go to the bathroom when they feel they need to go or need to go to escape and get a breather, which my children did a lot, or the nurse's office, um, that they, they can't eat when they're hungry. They can't challenge the teacher. And then we say, why can't these kids figure things? Why aren't they decision makers? What's wrong with these kids? We have unknowingly part of what we knew at the time that we know better now, uh, train them to not listen to themselves. So, so much of this evolved when I had first started the blog and a friend of mine who was an acquaintance at the, or she was an acquaintance at the time, literally stormed me at a social event. She's like, Pam Roy, I love your blog. And I'm like, thanks. You know, she was one of those, just an amazing woman, Margarita Salazzo. And she, um, she said, do you know Band Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl, the renowned psychiatrist's book? And I said, oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite books. She said, well, his grandson is staying with me and I've been telling him about your blog. You know, we had a mutual friend pass away who was involved with the, um, film Man Search for Meaning is being made into a feature film. And, um, anyway, the, the producers of that, the film, the, production company is interested in doing a documentary about teen suicide. Can we meet for lunch and talk to you? And I said, oh, I'd love it. You know, so meet Alex Vesley Frankel, who's uh, Victor Frankel had two grandchildren. And so we met and completely, of course, hit it off. I mean, I just love Frankel's philosophy of dignity, responsibility for our lives and to a greater whole, a community. And so I began just going deep into um, his work, and I wrote a blog, The Real Cost of a Meaningless Education. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what I talk about is where we are, um, that he called out almost 100 years ago, that industrialization might work for a product, a widget, building a car, but it doesn't work for human beings. And we are too unique, and our need or what he called the will to meaning, our, our pull to certain things that are not the same for each person, that this pull, uh, when it was frustrated and we really couldn't act on what we wanted, he called it the existential vacuum. And he said, this leads to aggression, addiction. We just numb ourselves. And the third thing was depression. So it was reading his work that I really began to see the mechanistic transactional life that modern times have evolved to become uh, and our personal responsibility to ourselves and our, our communities um, shifted. This is where the, the opportunity is because parenting from the passenger seat was not only a metaphor about parents next to our children, but community members next mm -hmm. to our children, mentors next to our children, coaches next to our children. But really, it also is that we can never drive anybody else's life. Can't drive your parents, can't drive your siblings, can't drive your spouse. Everybody is their own deciding being, and they have to choose it. We know that from all the addiction models. And so I think that... Um, 
so much of what I recommend in the book, and that metaphor really sticks to the fact that we we have control of ourselves only. We can ride alongside, we can love, we can encourage, but we cannot make. We're not going to ever make a creative person become a scientist. We might force them, but the cost of that to their human vitality of who they are is huge. And we see that everywhere right now. And I think that that idea of not teaching our children, which is what Viktor Frankl had called out, to follow their own intuitive pull and make decisions independently of what's going on and become, we don't know what they're going to become. The world's changing so fast. And I will say, I have three children, two are creatives. One is a speech therapist, more in this science thing. The ones that were my daughter, who was the most creative, who was the most screenwriter, uh, actress, whatever, entered the business world making the most money. So this whole thing of, oh, you can't be, I mean, I just got out of her way. I'm like, look, you know, you have to choose your lifestyle. Uh, for my kids, like I pay for college, then you create your life. But right. this is a choice. You don't have to go to college. Matter of fact, by the time I realized it, I'm like, okay, yes, some people need to go to college for what they want to do. But they need to figure out before they spend that time and that money. Yep. And that's where you come in. And people like parents and community members, which is my work with BM Bound, which we'll talk about at another time, is really as parents, what I did with my children is none of my children were 4.0. None of them were high test scores. <laughs> I didn't go on. I never followed them on their, I didn't know when their tests were. It wasn't my job. But my job was to prepare them to go out in the world and social connections as well as professional connections are the means of getting work. Absolutely. And so if we're focusing on the job as in the skill, that's likely not to take them throughout their lives, another 60, 70, 80 years, they need to know how to pivot, turn, and to have a community. 85% of all jobs are who you know. Yeah. So wouldn't it yeah. make more sense to start with the community and the interactions and the experiences and the testing out and building that kind of network? Which, Wait, but, they're, but they're not taught that. No, they're, well, they're not given the time. And this is where parents right. have so much power. And, and I will say for moms and parents, but moms are the primary caregiver of children. So I'll, I'll speak to that. You know, historically, way back when, hunter and gatherers, we did things together. This nuclear family model is not <laughs> how right. we raise children. It is not how humanity supports each other. It, it's, we need the bigger collaborative, whether it's family, extended family, chosen family, whatever you want to call it, to be able to support ourselves in uh, navigating this. This is a crazy world. We, we are absorbing it. 80% of autoimmune diseases are women. All of us have something to give. All of us have something that makes us come alive, that we get excited about. You and I have found this with our work, even though we don't know where, I always say, I don't know where I'm going. You know, it's just this bouncing right. ball shows up and I'm like, oh, there it goes. I got to go follow that one. And so I seem like a crazy person. <laughs> People go, how do you do all these things? I'm like, I don't know. They show up and I do my best and I contribute what I can, but they, the pull is so strong. 
and we'll be right back after a quick break. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. And it all comes down to meaning, doesn't it? Like yes. finding meaning in your life. And you talk about that in the book where real happiness comes from is meaning and right. how to help our kids find meaning. Right. And that happiness so, is not a goal. It is not a specific um, uh, place to be. It's an, a, it's an emotion. It's, con- con- you know, fulfillment is, you know, meaning, success, I mean, uh, happiness, success, all of that are byproducts of, of what you're doing. You know, an emergency room doctor who shows up and doesn't always have control over those outcomes still has a meaningful job because he really feels he's contributing who he is. And that um, contribution, Viktor Frankl would define meaning as what is meant. And the first time I read it, I'm like, Okay, that's so helpful. What does that mean? But what he meant is that each of us in the situations we find ourselves in have the ability to decide how to respond or even whether to respond. And that there's a right thing to do, a concrete, you know, it's not, it's objective, not subjective. For instance, someone's drowning, right? The right thing is to save the person. But if you don't know how to swim, the right thing for you to do is not to jump in the water. The right thing for you to do is to go find something else. So meaning is so specific to the moment in our lives and to our free will to decide how to respond. So how do we teach our kids how to find that meaning? Because they're so stuck. They're so, it's all about conformity, right? And and playing the game and being in the system. So how, yes. it's a mindset, right? Well, it's 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 an exploration of what learning to listen to your what what resonates, what excites you, learning to follow mm-hmm. that, learning to trust yourselves. You so know, what does that look like? It looks like experience is what it looks like. It's okay. actually something that happens when we're allowed to follow that and we're trusted to muddle through, make mistakes, pivot, turn around. We only can find that when we are pursuing that when it's why he said the search for meaning is the key factor in mental health and well-being. It's not, oh, I'm here, you have you don't have one meaning. We all have multiple meanings. I have meanings as a as a mother, I have a meaning in my work, I have a meaning when I interact with my friend. I mean, there's multiple meanings moment to moment, but it's specific to the person. So while we have a system that's trying to standardize and mold, we do have the power to model our own. Uh, values and our own excitement to find other parents that can support each other in doing this, focus less on our kids, create the opportunities for them to go out in the community. I mean, if, if they're in sports and they have seven days a week uh, that they are doing this sport and try, you know, we can say as a group, no, you get my kid for three days, you get my kid for four days because the other days they need to be out. Right? right. We can create the space and time that's to prioritize the um, 
ability for them to connect with people in the community and explore. You know, meaning is a pull. It's a pull. It's it's a pulling effect. If they learn to trust that, it will take them throughout their lives. You know, and so I think that really alongside what's happening, we can make choices of how our kids spend their time or what they, you know, maybe it's some tough decisions. I write about in my book some things that we have to decide as a family. We can challenge what these institutional institutions prioritize. We can get educated about the reality of college and whether or not this trajectory we put them on is actually working (laughs) in getting them a fulfilling job because we're saying, oh, STEM, STEM, STEM. But actually in the STEM world, many people, there's a lot of studies showing that in 10 years, many are out because they can't keep up. They were dependent on the piece of paper. So I think that um, really we bring it back to ourselves and supporting each other in coming alive. One of one of the posts I just had recently, it's my favorite by Howard Thurman, or one of my favorites, I have so many, is don't do what the world needs. Find what makes you come alive and do that. Because what the world needs is people to come alive. Hmm. That's and a great I, quote. Yes. So I think this isolation we feel when we're transactional, when we're just adhering to we're the input that we're giving our human vitality for somebody else's output, whether it, it's in a school or whether it's in the workplace, mm-hmm. is very distressing to the human. It's the existential vacuum, which is the issue of our time. And so I think the baby steps that we can do as parents is huge. And you outline those in chapter four of the book, which I thought was amazing. I guess I'm still left with, and listen, I'm the eternal optimist and I think we'll get, we'll get there, right? But I still feel like our kids are trapped in this system Mm -hmm. because I see it, right? I I mean, I have a high school senior right now Mm -hmm. and the expectation is four-year college and Mm -hmm. make the most money you can make. And and we're literally going through this right now with the, well, maybe that's not the best path. And what, you know, what do you really want your life to look like? What's mm-hmm. important to you? What give what brings you meaning? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we band together, like I think sports is a good example too. And fortunately, neither of my boys were were into many athletics. I mean, one is a bowler, but that's not hardcore like all the others. And I see them, the the number of practices and the length of practices and all the time taken up by that. And I'm sure I'm going to get some, you know, mad looks from people about saying this, but it's too much. It's yeah. it's too much. But you have, to your point, you have to get enough people to kind of stand we, together and say, no, no, no. Yes. To do that or as a parent, because it was the partnership with my children once they were in high school because I couldn't make them. Uh, right, right. Is we have to remember the little things, the little tiny start of the domino that knocks the next highest, the next highest, mm-hmm. next highest. Mm-hmm. We don't really have to worry about what other people are doing. We mm-hmm. just in our own homes have to decide how we are going to model what we value. Like for me, dinner was a priority. We set three priorities that we pretty much uh, carried through, which means my kids didn't do club sports. They didn't do anything that wasn't an after school. And they they were they didn't do multiple. I said you had to choose. And I think that just ourselves and in our own home, and then as women to make sure that we're all 
supporting each other as we're trying to navigate this, which is why the book, the book clubs that are coming out of it, the discussion, what can we do? So we don't have to worry about everybody doing it. Don't forget, we just have to worry about us and in our homes and what, whether we, we look at our kids as, you know, uh, what time's your, t- you know, what time's sports? What time are you, what, what test do you have? How was the school? We don't reinforce that that's a value. We focus more on the things that they're interested in. And, you know, so-and-so's neighbor, oh, you could do that on a weekend. You know, a lot of people, school is the primary childcare for so many people. There is not a choice of getting out of this, but we can devalue it in our homes and say, do what you can, right? And uh, also on weekends or after school or whatever, uh, let's go do something that fuels your soul that you can explore, not for a career, but for Mm -hmm. an interest or something that just feeds them and find out what that is and allow them to explore it. So we can do those baby steps while still in the system. It's a parallel. We're parallel. We don't think of that. There's plenty of people fighting the good fight on that, which I love big picture learning being one as a wonderful Mm -hmm. example. But I will say that the entrenchment of the financial interests that keep that system the way it is and the bureaucracy make it difficult, which is, of course, why so many teachers are leaving, principals are leaving. We can't get because the moral injury of not being able to do what you got in a profession to do is huge because they're having to answer to these managed systems that they know aren't in the best interest of that child. Right. As always, you are, you inspire me. I love the work that you're doing. I love that you, you never give up. Mm -hmm. You never get, you know, overwhelmed or beaten down or lose. Oh, yes, I do get overwhelmed. I beaten down, no. I would say frustrated, yes, mm. but not, but I'm not against. I just take that energy and put it, okay, now what, what can I do? What's in my power? Right now, here's right. fate, this giant, giant box. Here's this little tiny dot that's my ability to respond to it. Mm. And I just take full responsibility for that little dot to do what I can, even when my kids disagree. But I want to go because that's where so-and-so or I'm, you know, going to do this. And and then I have to negotiate and figure it out that some things I'm a hard stop no. And other things I'm like, okay, let's work it out. How do we work it out? Mm. And, um, you know, that's what we do. It's a, it's a constant dance, constant it dance. Is. And, uh, but I don't tend to, I see so many like, look at what you're doing. Look at the people starting to do what you're doing. Look at the fact that there are, when I look for alternative schools for my kids, there was three. There's now mm-hmm. over 50 options, even yeah. in public schools where you can do part-time virtually. You cannot be in that space all the time, right. which can create. So for those who are interested, the opportunities are there. If they're not, I respect and honor that. So I don't mm-hmm. try and make everybody want to do the same thing. I say, for those who are interested, there's a way. And it really just starts with us, which really takes the load off. <laughs> Instead of going, why aren't they doing this? You know, we could just say, well, we're in the passenger seat. Remember right. the metaphor. No matter who it is, we are the only one in the driver's seats of our own lives. And so what's within our power to do change? And I could just say, I see exciting things happening. Kids are deciding they're hard stop not doing it. Mm-hmm. 30% did not go back to school after the pandemic. And guess what? People are like, well, that's a problem. 
You go, no, it's a message. And the issue isn't to make those 30% go back in. It's to create environments when they're out that allow them to grow and develop into who they want to be and become that we may not even know about it. Who's the next Airbnb founder? Who's the next Uber? We don't know. Right, right. Or and with everything next- changing with AI and, yeah. you know, just the world around us is changing daily. I say that to my kids all the time. Five years from now, there are going to be jobs that don't exist today. And right. it might be a right fit for you. You just right. don't know. You don't know, but you only learn it by following and pivoting and following the bouncing ball as they go through life not you can have a north star of what you want like oh i'm mm-hmm. super interested in um you know being a, a cybersecurity analyst whatever it is and but you don't have the trajectory you just keep starting okay well then that means i want to talk to somebody who's doing it i want a job shadow oh i want to do an internship okay well i like this technology Ugh, it wasn't what i liked back up. Okay, now moving forward, what do I want to do next? Was there an aspect? Do I want to go into a different field? It's teaching our kids that that's okay, because that's how life works. But they're trusting their intuitive conscience to follow where that is. And that is a life skill. And the content they're learning, the what, isn't taking them through life. They need the who, how, and why to take them through life. And that's really what my book is about. Yeah, it's great. I I always tell my kids and any young kids I speak to, you have permission to pivot. Mm-hmm. It's okay to choose a direction, back up, and go in a different direction. Yep. It's necessary. Either it happens in the world as that industry changes, you know, and technology is changing a lot of industries now. So as that happens, they may be forced to. But what we're seeing is we're we're seeing constantly, and it's happened always, things die but other things are born. And the thing is, is we're in this in-between space where it's hyper warp speed of the things dying and the things being born. And the only thing we can do is prepare for our kids to share their authentic self with the world. This was what Viktor Frankl said is the ultimate human achievement is self-transcendence. It's being who you are for a greater good in your community. So how do we teach our kids to follow that and have that level of responsibility for their own lives, as well as uh, what they're what they're made one of eight billion to contribute to the world. Fantastic! Thank you so much. So, I, as you know, we could talk forever. We you will can. be back. Hopefully, you will be back. <laughs> I, I I'm all in. I love what you do. Uh, I am so excited. You are in that what's being born area. You are the passenger seat that parents need. And I think um, that's so exciting about what you're doing as well. Because without that, we can't parent by ourselves. I had my kids had mentors. Mm-hmm. We need the community alongside us because sometimes our kids are like, wow, 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 you know. Yeah, so sure. but one of their mentors or someone who they trust says, oh, this and I'm like, I said that. And they're like, so-and-so <laughs> right. said this it was the best idea right. I'm like they don't want to hear it from us that's for <laughs> they, sure they don't hear it sometimes from us but, <laughs> right. but anyway so I'm I'm a huge huge uh, proponent of uh, having the community be in the passenger seats alongside as whether they're coaches or whether they're specific mentors for certain fields or whatever it might be so that is exciting awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so where can people find and follow you? I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Um, okay. But where would you like people to reach out to you or follow you? Uh, they can 
email me at pam at pamroyblog.com. I have two websites now, which is the Pamroy blog website and the passenger seat parent website. Mm -hmm. Um, Both are .com, uh, which will put in the notes. And I love to hear from people. I love to hear the perspective. I think my book really just validates. Mm -hmm. I don't think it says anything new. I just pretty much put a framework around what we've been intuitively feeling. I think that's why the book has resonated so strongly with so many different educators, therapists, parents, community members. We all are feeling the existential vacuum and this society of systems, our transactional lives. And we just have to figure out together how to build the bridges to, to shift that. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure to talk me. to you. I always learn from you. Likewise. I, I'm thrilled that you came on. So me too. I'll see well, you soon again. I, I look forward I, I to sure continuing so. the discussion. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. So much to talk about. A huge thank you to my amazing guest and friend, Pam Roy. I'm super grateful that Pam and I share such a strong passion for helping young people find meaning in their lives. Pam's book, Parenting from the Passenger Seat, is a must-read for parents, teachers, mentors, and anyone who connects with young people. I've used the passenger seat analogy before. Once our kids become teens and young adults, we have to move from the driver's seat and into the passenger seat. It's not easy. They're behind the wheel and it's up to them to follow the path that's best for them. If they ask for guidance from us, we can help them stay on course or help them find a different path, but it's not our place to tell them where to go. Our kids need to know that they have permission to pivot. They are feeling so much pressure to do what society or their peers are telling them to do. Imagine a world where our kids feel empowered to trust themselves and to search for real meaning in their lives. I think we'd all benefit from living in a world like that. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful you took the time to listen. Please share this podcast with someone who will find it helpful. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com, where I will include all links mentioned during this episode. And one more thing. If you know of a teen or young adult who could use some help designing their life and career and finding meaning, I'd love to help visit my website, BetsyJewelCoaching.com, and sign up for a free 30-minute discovery call. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.